Chapter Twenty One of Peveril of the Peak by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. In these distracted times, when each man dreads the bloody stratagems of busy hands, Otway, at the door of the Cat and Fiddle julian received the usual attention paid to the customers of an inferior house of entertainment his horse was carried by a ragged lad who acted as hostler into a paltry stable where however the nag was tolerably supplied with food and litter having seen the animal on which his comfort perhaps his safety depended properly provided for peveril entered the kitchen which indeed was also the parlour and hall of the little hostelry to try what refreshment he could obtain for himself much to his satisfaction he found there was only one guest in the house besides himself but he was less pleased when he found that he must either go without dinner or share with that single guest the only provisions which chanced to be in the house namely a dish of trouts and eels which their host the miller had brought in from his mill-stream at the particular request of julian the landlady undertook to add a substantial dish of eggs and bacon which perhaps she would not have undertaken for had not the sharp eye of peveril discovered the flitch hanging in its smoky retreat when as its presence could not be denied the hostess was compelled to bring it forward as a part of her supplies she was a buxom dame about thirty whose comely and cheerful countenance did honour to the choice of the jolly miller her loving mate and was now stationed under the shade of an old-fashioned huge projecting chimney within which it was her province to work in the fire and provided for the wearied wayfaring man the good things which were to send him rejoicing on his course although at first the honest woman seemed little disposed to give herself much additional trouble on julian's account yet the good looks handsome figure and easy civility of her new guest soon bespoke the principal part of her attention and while busy in his service she regarded him from time to time with looks where something like pity mingled with complacency the rich smoke of the rasher and the eggs with which it was flanked already spread itself through the apartment and the hissing of these savoury viands bore chorus to the simmering of the pan in which the fish were undergoing a slower decoction the table was covered with a clean huckaback napkin and all was in preparation for the meal which julian began to expect with a good deal of impatience when the companion who was destined to share it with him entered the apartment at the first glance julian recognized to his surprise the same indifferently dressed thin-looking person 
who during the first bargain which he had made with bridlesley had officiously interfered with his advice and opinion displeased at having the company of any stranger forced upon him peveril was still less satisfied to find one who might make some claim of acquaintance with him however slender since the circumstances in which he stood compelled him to be as reserved as possible he therefore turned his back upon his destined messmate and pretended to amuse himself by looking out of the window determined to avoid all intercourse until it should be inevitably forced upon him in the meanwhile the other stranger went straight up to the landlady where she toiled on household cares intent and demanded of her what she meant by preparing bacon and eggs when he had positively charged her to get nothing ready but the fish the good woman important as every cook in the discharge of her duty deigned not for some time so much as to acknowledge that she heard the reproof of her guest and when she did so it was only to repel it in a magisterial and authoritative tone if he did not like bacon bacon from their own hutch well fed on peas and bran if he did not like bacon and eggs new-laid eggs which she had brought in from the hen-roost with her own hands why so put case it was the worse for his honour and the better for those who did the better for those who like them answered the guest that is as much as to say i am to have a companion good woman do not good woman me sir replied the miller's wife till i call you good man and i promise you many would scruple to do that to one who does not love eggs and bacon of a friday nay my good lady said her guest do not fix any misconstruction upon me i dare say the eggs and the bacon are excellent only they are rather a dish too heavy for my stomach ay or your conscience perhaps sir answered the hostess and now i bethink me you must needs have your fish fried with oil instead of the good drippings i was going to put to them i would i could spell the meaning of all this now but i warrant john bigstaff the constable would conjure something out of it there was a pause here but julian somewhat alarmed at the tone which the conversation assumed became interested in watching the dumb show which succeeded by bringing his head a little towards the left but without turning round or quitting the projecting latticed window where he had taken his station he could observe that the stranger secured as he seemed to think himself from observation had sidled close up to the landlady and as he conceived had put a piece of money into her hand the altered tone of the miller's moiety corresponded very much with this supposition nay indeed and forsooth she said her house was liberty hall and so should every publican's be what was it to her what gentlefolks ate or drank 
providing they paid for it honestly there were many honest gentlemen whose stomachs could not abide bacon grease or dripping especially on a friday and what was that to her or any one in her line so gentlefolks paid honestly for the trouble only she would say that her bacon and eggs could not be mended betwixt this and liverpool and that she would live and die upon i shall hardly dispute it said the stranger and turning towards julian he added i wish this gentleman who i suppose is my trencher companion much joy of the dainties which i cannot assist him in consuming i assure you sir answered peveril who now felt himself compelled to turn about and reply with civility that it was with difficulty i could prevail on my landlady to add my cover to yours though she seems now such a zealot for the consumption of eggs and bacon i am zealous for nothing said the landlady save that men would eat their victuals and pay their score and if there be enough in one dish to serve two guests i see little purpose in dressing them too however they are ready now and done to a nicety here alice alice the sound of that well-known name made julian start but the alice who replied to the call ill resembled the vision which his imagination connected with the accents being a dowdy slipshod wench the drudge of the low inn which afforded him shelter she assisted her mistress in putting on the table the dishes which the latter had prepared and a foaming jug of home-brewed ale being placed betwixt them was warranted by dame whitecraft as excellent for said she we know by practice that too much water drowns the miller and we spare it on our malt as we would in our mill-dam i drink to your health in it dame said the elder stranger and a cup of thanks for these excellent fish and to the drowning of all unkindness between us i thank you sir said the dame and wish you the like but i dare not pledge you for our gaffer says that ale is brewed too strong for women so i only drink a glass of cannery at a time with a gossip or any gentleman guest that is so minded you shall drink one with me then dame said peveril so you will let me have a flagon that you shall sir and as good as ever was broached but i must to the mill to get the key from the good man so saying and tucking her clean gown through the pocket-holes that her steps might be the more alert and her dress escape dust off she tripped to the mill which lay close adjoining a dainty dame and dangerous is the miller's wife said the stranger looking at peveril is not that old chaucer's phrase i i believe so said peveril not much read in chaucer who was then even more neglected than at present and much surprised at a literary quotation from one of the mean appearance exhibited by the person before him 
yes answered the stranger i see that you like other young gentlemen of the time are better acquainted with cowley and waller than with the well of english undefiled i cannot help differing there are touches of nature about the old bard of woodstock that to me are worth all the turns of laborious wit in cowley and all the ornate and artificial simplicity of his courtly competitor the description for instance of his country coquette wincing she was as is a wanton colt sweet as a flower and upright as a bolt then again for pathos where will you mend the dying scene of our city alas my heart's queen alas my wife giver at once and ender of my life what is this world what acts and men to have now with his love now in his cold grave alone withouten other company but i tire you sir and do injustice to the poet whom i remember but by halves on the contrary sir replied peveril you make him more intelligible to me in your recitation than i have found him when i have tried to peruse him myself you were only frightened by the antiquated spelling and the letters black said his companion it is many a scholar's case who mistakes a nut which he would crack with a little exertion for a bullet which he must needs break his teeth on but yours are better employed shall i offer you some of this fish not so sir replied julian willing to show himself a man of reading in his turn i hold with old caius and profess to fear judgment to fight where i cannot choose and to eat no fish the stranger cast a startled look around him at this observation which julian had thrown out on purpose to ascertain if possible the quality of his companion whose present language was so different from the character he had assumed at bridlesley's his countenance too although the features were of an ordinary not to say mean cast had that character of intelligence which education gives to the most homely face and his manners were so easy and disembarrassed as plainly showed a complete acquaintance with society as well as the habit of mingling with it in the higher stages the alarm which he had evidently shown at peveril's answer was but momentary for he almost instantly replied with a smile i promise you sir that you are in no dangerous company for notwithstanding my fish-dinner i am much disposed to trifle with some of your savoury mess if you will indulge me so far peveril accordingly reinforced the stranger's trencher with what remained of the bacon and eggs and saw him swallow a mouthful or two with apparent relish but presently after began to dally with his knife and fork like one whose appetite was satiated and then took a long draught of the black jack and handed his platter to the large mastiff dog who attracted by the smell of the dinner had sat down before him for some time licking his chops and following with his eye every morsel which the guest raised to his head here my poor fellow said he 
thou hast had no fish and needest this supernumerary trencher-load more than i do i cannot withstand thy mute supplication any longer the dog answered these courtesies by a civil shake of the tail while he gobbled up what was assigned him by the stranger's benevolence in the greater haste that he heard his mistress's voice at the door here is the cannery gentlemen said the landlady and the good man has set off the mill to come to wait on you himself he always does so when company drink wine that he may come in for the hosts that is for the lion's share said the stranger looking at peveril the shot is mine said julian and if mine host will share it i will willingly bestow another quart on him and on you sir i never break old customs these sounds caught the ear of gaffer whitecraft who had entered the room a strapping specimen of his robust trade prepared to play the civil or the surly host as his company should be acceptable or otherwise at julian's invitation he doffed his dusty bonnet brushed from his sleeve the looser particles of his professional dust and sitting down on the end of a bench about a yard from the table filled a glass of cannery and drank to his guests and especially to this noble gentleman indicating peveril who had ordered the cannery julian returned the courtesy by drinking his health and asking what news were about in the country not sir i hears on naught except this plot as they call it that they are pursuing the papishers about but it brings water to my mill as the saying is between expresses hurrying hither and thither and guards and prisoners riding to and again and the custom of the neighbours that come to speak over the news of an evening nightly i may say instead of once a week why the spigot is in use gentlemen and your land thrives and then i serving as constable and being a known protestant i have tapped i may venture to say it may be ten stands of ale extraordinary besides a reasonable sale of wine for a country corner heaven make us thankful and keep all good protestants from plot and popery i can easily conceive my friend said julian that curiosity is a passion which runs naturally to the alehouse and that anger and jealousy and fear are all of them thirsty passions and great consumers of home-brewed but i am a perfect stranger in these parts and i would willingly learn from a sensible man like you a little of this same plot of which men speak so much and appear to know so little learn a little of it why it is the most horrible the most damnable bloodthirsty beast of a plot but hold hold my good master i hope in the first place you believe there is a plot for otherwise the justice must have a word with you as sure as my name is john whitecraft it shall not need said peveril for i assure you mine host i believe in the plot as freely and fully as a man can believe in anything he cannot understand god forbid that anybody should pretend to understand it 
said the implicit constable for his worship the justice says it is a mile beyond him and he be as deep as most of them but men may believe though they do not understand and that is what the romanists say themselves but this i am sure of it makes a rare stirring time for justices and witnesses and constables so here's to your health again gentlemen in a cup of neat cannery come come john whitecraft said the wife do not you demean yourself by naming witnesses along with justices and constables all the world knows how they come by their money ay but all the world knows that they do come by it dame and that is a great comfort they rustle in their canonical silks and swagger in their buff and scarlet who but they ay ay the cursed fox thrives and not so cursed neither is there not dr titus oates the saver of the nation does he not live at whitehall and eat off plate and have a pension of thousands a year for what i know and is he not to be bishop of lichfield so soon as dr doddrum dies then i hope dr doddrum's reverence will live these twenty years and i dare say i am the first that ever wished such a wish said the hostess i do not understand these doings not i and if a hundred jesuits came to hold a consult at my house as they did at the white horse tavern i should think it quite out of the line of business to bear witness against them provided they drank well and paid their score very true dame said her elder guest that is what i call keeping a good publican conscience and so i will pay my score presently and be jogging on my way peveril on his part also demanded a reckoning and discharged it so liberally that the miller flourished his hat as he bowed and the hostess curtsied down to the ground the horses of both guests were brought forth and they mounted in order to depart in company the host and hostess stood in the doorway to see them depart the landlord proffered a stirrup-cup to the elder guest while the landlady proffered peveril a glass from her own peculiar bottle for this purpose she mounted on the horse-block with flask and glass in hand so that it was easy for the departing guest although on horseback to return the courtesy in the most approved manner namely by throwing his arm over his landlady's shoulder and saluting her at parting dame whitecraft did not decline this familiarity for there is no room for traversing upon a horse-block and the hands which might have served her for resistance were occupied with glass and bottle matters too precious to be thrown away in such a struggle apparently however she had something else in her head for as after a brief affectation of reluctance she permitted peveril's face to approach hers she whispered in his ear beware of trepans an awful intimation which in those days of distrust 
suspicion and treachery was as effectual in interdicting free and social intercourse as the advertisement of man-traps and spring-guns to protect an orchard pressing her hand in intimation that he comprehended her hint she shook his warmly in return and bade god speed him there was a cloud on john whitecraft's brow nor did his final farewell sound half so cordial as that which had been spoken within doors but then peveril reflected that the same guest is not always equally acceptable to landlord and landlady and unconscious of having done anything to excite the miller's displeasure he pursued his journey without thinking farther of the matter julian was a little surprised and not altogether pleased to find that his new acquaintance held the same road with him he had many reasons for wishing to travel alone and the hostess's caution still rung in his ears if this man possessed of so much shrewdness as his countenance and conversation intimated versatile as he had occasion to remark and disguised beneath his condition should prove as was likely to be a concealed jesuit or seminary priest travelling upon their great task of the conversion of england and rooting out of the northern heresy a more dangerous companion for a person in his own circumstances could hardly be imagined since keeping society with him might seem to authorize whatever reports had been spread concerning the attachment of his family to the catholic cause at the same time it was very difficult without actual rudeness to shake off the company of one who seemed so determined whether spoken to or not to remain alongside of him peveril tried the experiment of riding slow but his companion determined not to drop him slackened his pace so as to keep close by him julian then spurred his horse to a full trot and was soon satisfied that the stranger notwithstanding the meanness of his appearance was so much better mounted than himself as to render vain any thought of outriding him he pulled up his horse to a more reasonable pace therefore in a sort of despair upon his doing so his companion who had been hitherto silent observed that peveril was not so well qualified to try speed upon the road as he would have been had he abode by his first bargain of horseflesh that morning peveril assented dryly but observed that the animal would serve his immediate purpose though he feared it would render him indifferent company for a person better mounted by no means answered his civil companion i am one of those who have travelled so much as to be accustomed to make my journey at any rate of motion which may be most agreeable to my company peveril made no reply to this polite intimation being too sincere to tender the thanks which in courtesy were the proper answer a second pause ensued which was broken by julian asking the stranger whether their roads were likely to lie long together in the same direction 
i cannot tell said the stranger smiling unless i knew which way you were travelling i am uncertain how far i shall go to-night said julian willingly misunderstanding the purport of the reply and so am i replied the stranger but though my horse goes better than yours i think it will be wise to spare him and in case our road continues to lie the same way we are likely to sup as we have dined together julian made no answer whatever to this round intimation but continued to ride on turning in his own mind whether it would not be wisest to come to a distinct understanding with his pertinacious attendant and to explain in so many words that it was his pleasure to travel alone but besides that the sort of acquaintance which they had formed during dinner rendered him unwilling to be directly uncivil towards a person of gentlemanlike manners he had also to consider that he might very possibly be mistaken in this man's character and purpose in which case the cynically refusing the society of a sound protestant would afford as pregnant matter of suspicion as travelling in company with a disguised jesuit after brief reflection therefore he resolved to endure the encumbrance of the stranger's society until a fair opportunity should occur to rid himself of it and in the meantime to act with as much caution as he possibly could in any communication that might take place between them for dame whitecraft's parting caution still rang anxiously in his ears and the consequences of his own arrest upon suspicion must deprive him of every opportunity of serving his father or the countess or major bridgenorth upon whose interest also he had promised himself to keep an eye while he revolved these things in his mind they had journeyed several miles without speaking and now entered upon a more waste country and worse roads than they had hitherto found being in fact approaching the more hilly district of derbyshire in travelling in a very stony and uneven lane julian's horse repeatedly stumbled and had he not been supported by the rider's judicious use of the bridle must at length certainly have fallen under him these are times which crave weary riding sir said his companion and by your seat in the saddle and your hand on the rein you seem to understand it to be so i have been long a horseman sir answered peveril and long a traveller too sir i should suppose since by the great caution you observe you seem to think the human tongue requires a curb as well as the horse's jaws wiser men than i have been of opinion answered peveril that it were a part of prudence to be silent when men have little or nothing to say i cannot approve of their opinion answered the stranger all knowledge is gained by communication either with the dead through books or more pleasingly through the conversation of the living the deaf and dumb alone are excluded from improvement and surely their situation is not so enviable that we should imitate them at this illustration 
which awakened a startling echo in peveril's bosom the young man looked hard at his companion but in the composed countenance and calm blue eye he read no consciousness of a farther meaning than the words immediately and directly implied he paused a moment and then answered you seem to be a person sir of shrewd apprehension and i should have thought it might have occurred to you that in the present suspicious times men may without censure avoid communication with strangers you know not me and to me you are totally unknown there is not room for much discourse between us without trespassing on the general topics of the day which carry in them seeds of quarrel between friends much more betwixt strangers at any other time the society of an intelligent companion would have been most acceptable upon my solitary ride but at present at present said the other interrupting him you are like the old romans who held that hostess meant both a stranger and an enemy i will therefore be no longer a stranger my name is ganlas by profession i am a roman catholic priest i am travelling here in dread of my life and i am very glad to have you for a companion i thank you for the information with all my heart said peveril and to avail myself of it to the uttermost i must beg you to ride forward or lag behind or take a side-path at your own pleasure for as i am no catholic and travel upon business of high concernment i am exposed both to risk and delay and even to danger by keeping such suspicious company and so master ganlas keep your own pace and i will keep the contrary for i beg leave to forbear your company as peveril spoke thus he pulled up his horse and made a full stop the stranger burst out a laughing what he said you forbear my company for a trifle of danger saint anthony how the warm blood of the cavaliers is chilled in the young men of the present day this young gallant now has a father i warrant who has endured as many adventures for hunting priests as a knight-errant for distressed damsels this raillery avails nothing sir said peveril i must request you will keep your own way my way is yours said the pertinacious master ganlas as he called himself and we will both travel the safer that we journey in company i have the receipt of fernseed man and walk invisible besides you would not have me quit you in this lane where there is no turn to right or left peveril moved on desirous to avoid open violence for which the indifferent tone of the traveller indeed afforded no apt pretext yet highly disliking his company and determined to take the first opportunity to rid himself of it the stranger proceeded at the same pace with him keeping cautiously on his bridle hand as if to secure that advantage in case of a struggle but his language did not intimate the least apprehension you do me wrong he said to peveril and you equally wrong yourself 
you are uncertain where to lodge to-night trust to my guidance here is an ancient hall within four miles with an old knightly pantaloon for its lord an albiruffed dame barbara for the lady gay a jesuit in a butler's habit to say grace an old tale of edgehill and worcester fights to relish a cold venison pasty and a flask of claret mantled with cobwebs a bed for you in the priest's hiding-hole and for aught i know pretty mistress betty the dairymaid to make it ready this has no charms for me sir said peveril who in spite of himself could not but be amused with the ready sketch which the stranger gave of many an old mansion in cheshire and derbyshire where the owners retained the ancient faith of rome well i see i cannot charm you in this way continued his companion i must strike another key i am no longer ganless the seminary priest but changing his tone and snuffling in the nose simon cantor a poor preacher of the word who travels this way to call sinners to repentance and to strengthen and to edify and to fructify among the scattered remnant who hold fast the truth what say you to this sir i admire your versatility sir and could be entertained with it at another time at present sincerity is more in request sincerity said the stranger a child's whistle with but two notes in it yea yea and nay nay why man the very quakers have renounced it and have got in its stead a gallant recorder called hypocrisy that is somewhat like sincerity in form but of much greater compass and combines the whole gamut come be ruled be a disciple of simon cantor for the evening and we will leave the old tumble-down castle of the night aforesaid on the left hand for a new brick-built mansion erected by an eminent salt-boiler from knapwich who expects the said simon to make a strong spiritual pickle for the preservation of a soul somewhat corrupted by the evil communications of this wicked world what say you he has two daughters brighter eyes never beamed under a pinched hood and for myself i think there is more fire in those who live only to love and to devotion than in your court beauties whose hearts are running on twenty follies besides you know not the pleasure of being conscience-keeper to a pretty precisian who in one breath repeats her foibles and in the next confesses her passion perhaps though you may have known such in your day come sir it grows too dark to see your blushes but i am sure they are burning on your cheek you take great freedom sir said peveril as they now approached the end of the lane where it opened on a broad common and you seem rather to count more on my forbearance than you have room to do with safety we are now nearly free of the lane which has made us companions for this late half-hour to avoid your farther company i will take the turn to the left upon that common 
and if you follow me it shall be at your peril observe i am well armed and you will fight at odds not at odds returned the provoking stranger while i have my brown jennet with which i can ride round and round you at pleasure and this text of a handful in length showing a pistol which he drew from his bosom which discharges very convincing doctrine on the pressure of a forefinger and is apt to equalize all odds as you call them of youth and strength let there be no strife between us however the moor lies before us choose your path on it i take the other i wish you good-night sir said peveril to the stranger i ask your forgiveness if i have misconstrued you in anything but the times are perilous and a man's life may depend on the society in which he travels true said the stranger but in your case the danger is already undergone and you should seek to counteract it you have travelled in my company long enough to devise a handsome branch of the popish plot how will you look when you see come forth in comely folio form the narrative of simon cantor otherwise called richard ganlis concerning the horrid popish conspiracy for the murder of the king and massacre of all protestants as given on oath to the honourable house of commons setting forth how far julian peveril younger of martindale castle is concerned in carrying on the same how sir what mean you said peveril much startled nay sir replied his companion do not interrupt my title-page now that oates and bedloe have drawn the great prizes the subordinate discoverers get little but by the sale of their narrative and janeway newman simmons and every bookseller of them will tell you that the title is half the narrative mine shall therefore set forth the various schemes you have communicated to me of landing ten thousand soldiers from the isle of man upon the coast of lancashire and marching into wells to join the ten thousand pilgrims who are to be shipped from spain and so completing the destruction of the protestant religion and of the devoted city of london truly i think such a narrative well spiced with a few horrors and published cum privilegio parliamenti might though the market be somewhat overstocked be still worth some twenty or thirty pieces you seem to know me sir said peveril and if so i think i may fairly ask you your purpose in thus bearing me company and the meaning of all this rhapsody if it be mere banter i can endure it within proper limit although it is uncivil on the part of a stranger if you have any farther purpose speak it out i am not to be trifled with good now said the stranger laughing into what an unprofitable chafe you have put yourself an italian foriuscito when he desires a parley with you takes aim from behind a wall with his long gun and prefaces his conference with passo tirare 
so does your man-of-war fire a gun across the bows of a hansmoggen indiaman just to bring her to and so do i show master julian peveril that if i were one of the honourable society of witnesses and informers with whom his imagination has associated me for these two hours past he is as much within my danger now as what he is ever likely to be then suddenly changing his tone to serious which was in general ironical he added young man when the pestilence is diffused through the air of a city it is in vain men would avoid the disease by seeking solitude and shunning the company of their fellow-sufferers in what then consists their safety said peveril willing to ascertain if possible the drift of his companion's purpose in following the counsels of wise physicians such was the stranger's answer and as such said peveril you offer me your advice pardon me young man said the stranger haughtily i see no reason i should do so i am not he added in his former tone your feed physician i offer no advice i only say it would be wise that you sought it and from whom or where can i obtain it said peveril i wander in this country like one in a dream so much a few months have changed it men who formerly occupied themselves with their own affairs are now swallowed up in matters of state policy and those tremble under the apprehension of some strange and sudden convulsion of empire who were formerly only occupied by the fear of going to bed supperless and to sum up the matter i meet a stranger apparently well acquainted with my name and concerns who first attaches himself to me whether i will or no and then refuses me an explanation of his business while he menaces me with the strangest accusations had i meant such infamy said the stranger believe me i had not given you the thread of my intrigue but be wise and come one with me there is hard by a small inn where if you can take a stranger's warrant for it we shall sleep in perfect security yet you yourself said peveril but now were anxious to avoid observation and in that case how can you protect me pshaw i did but silence that tattling landlady in the way in which such people are most readily hushed and for topham and his brace of night-owls they must hawk at other and lesser game than i should prove peveril could not help admiring the easy and confident indifference with which the stranger seemed to assume a superiority to all the circumstances of danger around him and after hastily considering the matter with himself came to the resolution to keep company with him for this night at least and to learn if possible who he really was and to what party in the estate he was attached the boldness and freedom of his talk seemed almost inconsistent with his following the perilous though at that time 
the gainful trade of an informer no doubt such persons assumed every appearance which could insinuate them into the confidence of their destined victims but julian thought he discovered in this man's manner a wild and reckless frankness which he could not but connect with the idea of sincerity in the present case he therefore answered after a moment's recollection i embrace your proposal sir although by doing so i am reposing a sudden and perhaps an unwary confidence and what am i then reposing in you said the stranger is not our confidence mutual no much the contrary i know nothing of you whatever you have named me and knowing me to be julian peveril no you may travel with me in perfect security the devil i do answered his companion i travel in the same security as with a lighted petard which i may expect to explode every moment are you not the son of peveril of the peak with whose name prelacy and popery are so closely allied that no old woman of either sex in derbyshire concludes her prayer without a petition to be freed from all three and do you not come from the popish countess of derby bringing for aught i know a whole army of manxmen in your pocket with full complement of arms ammunition baggage and a train of field artillery it is not very likely i should be so poorly mounted said julian laughing if i had such a weight to carry but lead on sir i see i must wait for your confidence till you think proper to confer it for you are already so well acquainted with my affairs that i have nothing to offer you in exchange for it alons then said his companion give your horse the spur and raise the curb rein lest he measure the ground with his nose instead of his paces we are not now more than a furlong or two from the place of entertainment they mended their pace accordingly and soon arrived at the small solitary inn which the traveller had mentioned when its light began to twinkle before them the stranger as if recollecting something he had forgotten by the way you must have a name to pass by for it may be ill travelling under your own as the fellow who keeps this house is an old cromwellian what will you call yourself my name is for the present ganless there is no occasion to assume a name at all answered julian i do not incline to use a borrowed one especially as i may meet with some one who knows my own i will call you julian then said master ganless for peveril will smell in the nostrils of mine host of idolatry conspiracy smithfield faggots fish on fridays the murder of sir edsmondbury godfrey and the fire of purgatory as he spoke thus they alighted under the great broad-branched oak-tree that served to canopy the ale-bench which at an earlier hour had groaned under the weight of a frequent conclave of rustic politicians ganless as he dismounted whistled in a particularly shrill note and was answered from within the house
End of chapter 21